Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Teenage Tea with BMYC, which you can find on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other podcast platform. Um, so let's get started. We are pumped for a very, very special podcast. We are going to be talking about some very significant issues that are impacting our daily lives, such as getting used into politics, COVID-19, and mental health. Today, we have a very, very special guest that has, a done, that has done a lot for the community. Uh, before we start, I'm going to introduce um, everyone. My name is Micah. I'm the co-president of BMYC, and I believe this is my fourth time doing the podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Kira, and I'm also one of the co-presidents of BMYC. It's my third year on the council, but only my second podcast, so I'm super excited, and I'm really glad that our guest has joined us here on a Sunday. <laughs> Um, hi guys, my name is Manchit and I'm part of the BMYC creative team and this is my third podcast. I'm, my name is Sukarmit and I'm one of the uh, creative directors at BMYC and this is my second time on the podcast. And hello everyone, my name is Malet and I'm also another creative director and I hope I'm more of a familiar voice. I think this is my fifth time on the podcast. So personally, I'm ecstatic because we have a very special guest today. Not only has she worked in a number of therapeutic programs, is a multi-systemic therapist, behavior consultant, but she's also the first black woman to be the city councilor of Brampton. I'm sure you at home have an idea who it is. That's right, it's Councillor Williams. It's a pleasure having you here with us today, and we can't wait to have insightful conversations with you. So Councillor Williams, would you like to tell the listeners who you are and what you do? Wow, thank you. Hi everyone, hi guys watching and listening. And perfect timing because not only am I the first black woman in Brampton City Council, I'm also a mom of five. And I have this little unhappy face who's coming to tell me a problem. This is my youngest. Can you give me a second? All right. <laughs> so, um, yes, I am the city councilor of Ward 7 and 8 in Brampton. And uh, I was elected in 2018, and it has been life-changing. Um, I am a mom of five, and, you know, making the decision to run in politics really came out of, um, you know, life showing you that it's short. And after five days after having this little guy here, um, I had a massive brain hemorrhage and that brain hemorrhage really was life changing. And um, I was able to recover, get back on my feet, given full clearance to that things were okay in like May of 2018. And then, you know, when you're really sick and something like that happens, you have a lot of time to think, especially thinking in the hospital. And what's up, buddy? Okay, we'll, we'll see if we can find you one. Sorry, guys. We'll see if we can find you one in a second, buddy. And um, so, yeah, I was in the hospital a lot of nights just thinking about what is the next step? Why did I have the chance to uh, have another chance? So um, that was when I decided to run um, for politics. And I said, you know what? I've been working in children's mental health organizations for a long time and seeing families and, and young people like yourselves, it, different ages, just kind of going through this system. And um, the mental health system here in Brampton, in, in Ontario, um, it, it's helpful, but it's helpful to a certain extent. And so 
many people fall back into the same pattern of needing the same supports over and over again. And so um, really wanting to see some of that change is what motivated me to get into politics because um, that's where we make major decisions on policy and how all of you live and function and um, you know grow in the city that you're living in. And so, yeah, so that's why I'm here and in a, a bit of a big nutshell. <laughs> Awesome. That's really cool. Like I know that um, having a brain hemorrhage is obviously not a small thing. So how did you keep positive? Um, or like, of course, like life could have went either way. And you could have decided that, oh, I have, yes, this happened to me. Unfortunately, I'm a victim of my circumstances. But you could have chosen to make something better out of it. And that's exactly what you did. So how did you fuel that mindset and stop yourself from going down into a spiral? Yeah, you know, when you're when you're faced with some of these really challenging times yeah you do have a choice you have a choice to let it consume you and uh force you to not find solutions but then you you have that choice to say okay you know what um i've been given a second chance and and what you'll notice is that throughout life, you'll get different chances and opportunities. But when you have an, uh, the time, I think it was the time to actually sit and think about what my options are, and what I really want. Um, that really helped fuel that choice to say, I am going to take everything I've experienced in my life, and realize that I'm, I'm a parent, I've got five kids and a husband and, and that I want to be there for I want to be around for. And, um, and so you know, I've always been a solution focused person, which is probably why I love that modality, that therapeutic modality, um, solution focused therapy, because it's about finding solutions to the problem and making that your goal. If, if there's something going wrong, how are we going to fix it? And so that's the kind of person I am. And, and that's what I really chose to do is say, I'm going to take this second chance and really go for what it is I want and not be afraid of the, the risks associated uh, with, with making this choice. So yeah, yeah. Choices are our second chance. <laughs> That's really great to hear. That's super positive. Like, I think you're more of like, not just like a super great counselor, but like a super mom, a great wife. That's like, you oh, thanks. all the boxes. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I am a human being, though. <laughs> yeah, I am a human being. And being human means filling those lows, right? And, and, but yeah, I'm a human being. But you know, it's just like, like you're talking about those choices, how are you going to utilize the opportunity that you have to go in a different direction? Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome. Recently, the Peel region has been put under lockdown, which has obviously been a great difficult time. I just want to know what your greatest achievement has been or what is something you personally are proud of or something Brampton has done that you take pride in. Mm. You know what, this has been a very difficult time for so many of us. And uh, one of the things I think is really great about um, the council that we have on all of us um, and, and led by Mayor Patrick Brown, he, he really came up with these task force. And there are different like circles where we really focus on the issues that are faced with certain community groups. So we have um, four of them. We have the social support task force. 
we have the senior support task force, we have the youth support task force, and we have the economic development support task force. So I am the, the co-chair, um, along with um, Councillor Harkirat Singh, um, the co-chair of the youth support task force. And so what we've done is taken the key issues that impact um, young people in Peel and, and especially in Brampton, and find ways to help our young people cope, find ways to get access to um, recreational activities, even though we're stuck inside the house, find ways to keep engaged with your peers and, and socialize, find ways to get connected to mental health support, like the organizations that are out there, like Indus or Associated Youth Services of Peel, Peel Youth Center. Um, um, so, we, we really want to make sure that we have all the resources available. So out of that, um, if you go to the, the Youth Support Task Force um, page at the City of Brampton website, you'll see all of this information laid out. And that's what we want. We wanted to make sure that information was accessible. And so the good thing about, about that is, is making sure we're keeping connected. So also throughout the, the pandemic, in the shutdown period, we would do weekly teletown halls for people to get information about what's going on at the city. And then that went to bi-weekly as things started to loosen up a bit. And, and then also in, in council, we still continue to meet. So every Wednesday we sit and we have committee of council or we have council and we get a, a mayor's COVID-19 update. And that's a good time for us to say, um, how are we going to advocate for some of the issues that we're faced with in Brampton, right? Um, some, some of us were really upset about gyms closing. Some of us were really upset about um, small businesses and, and how do we support small businesses. So those were chances for us to move motions and advocate to the province and the federal government how to make sure there's rent subsidy for people who are losing their businesses. How do we make sure that there's um, jobs, uh, businesses can get funding for those who are sick with COVID so that people don't have to make a choice between a check and, you know what I mean, and staying home and getting better, right? So I'm really proud of those things. It's, it's about listening to what people are asking for and um, moving motions and making those changes. Yeah. That's that sounds cool. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, um, you can go. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I was really, I just wanted to say for sure. I know you mentioned Indus and my grandpa actually, um, he did require that extra care and everything. And um, because of the city of Brampton, because we had access to those resources, he was able to. So what you're saying, definitely, like I personally and my family has seen the impacts and we've seen um, how, like, and we're really grateful for the change that he had, just like that little bit. So of like interaction between um, just seniors. So it's really nice to have you have something for the youth, um, something for senior citizens, and just um, basically a lot of different and a social group as well. So I think that's really, really great. And I'm just really grateful for that and being able to live in Brampton. I'm so glad that you take pride in it uh, because yeah. it's something that's definitely made a huge difference. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much. I'll make sure I take that back, especially to the senior support task force. That's what it's all about. You guys have the right to interact with your city. We are supposed to be making and doing things for all of you, even you young guys like you right now, it would be great to have you have input on our budget system, you know what I mean? And, and um, being able to say how you want us to spend the money, 
right? We got to develop the city for you guys, not for us who are sitting there. Because trust me, development takes years, okay? Like a person can be like, I have this piece of land and I want to build a big apartment on it or something. And it might take two years for all of the, the zoning and everything to kind of get go through the process before you actually see something being dug into the ground, right? So that's why whenever you see a council talking about certain things, it's about for you guys in the future. So get involved. And if you want to know, just let me know and we can get you guys involved. Wow, that's great. Thank you so much, um, Councillor Williams. And I and you mentioned about listening to us, and I think that's like so important to be able to like listen to people and like understand our views. And I'm great that Brampton is has been doing that, and that's uh, that's honestly amazing, right? And like those are some like really great ac accomplishments, and it's so great to see Brampton being so proactive. And like we as youth will like also like to become like also involved in politics. So um, you did mention some things, but how would you recommend us as youth being involved in like politics and within the city? Yeah, you know what? We have youth um, councils. Uh, some councillors have them for their wards. Um, the mayor has a youth council. I'm having a youth council that will be starting in 2021 in January. And so the best way to get involved is sometimes is to just call your counselor uh, or call the mayor and say, we want to sit down and talk. If you have a group like BMYC, your group, ask to say, we want to sit down with each counselor and start talking about the things that you're, you're, you want to see changed. And sometimes we can help guide you towards different topics that we might be talking about in council. Or we might say, okay, you know what? bring bring your your matter to council and come delegate come stand in front of council i mean it might seem a bit intimidating you know have you guys all stood up and done a project in class and be like this is so nerve-wracking it can kind of feel like that actually a lot like that <laughs> but i want to encourage you to do it early and get used to doing it because that is the these that is the the audience that you need to be in front of to say I want to see A, B, C, D change. I need these things for my city and for me to, you know, live my best life here. So, yeah, it, call your counselor. That is one of the best ways. Yeah. What advice do you have for minorities going into politics? Just go for it. Go for it. You know what? I um. Like I said, I worked, I worked in children's mental health, almost 20 years working in children's mental health and had no interest in doing the whole political um, playing field and getting involved. But when you realize you know, if you wanna make changes for yourself and for your city, you have to get involved in politics. That is the only place to do it. Um, so what I did was I found people who've done it before um, people who know how to run in elections. And I asked a lot of questions. And so anybody who's new immigrant, it doesn't matter who you are, you have to start asking the questions. How did you do it? Where did you go to get advice? What kind of steps do I need to follow? Are there books I need to read? Sometimes just doing some simple research and asking questions. But the main thing I would say is if you're going to run, just sign your name up and start talking to people. And, and 
the more member elections are about how many people you can encourage to follow you, right? It's like kind of getting Instagram followers, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the more people that follow you, the more people, the better it is, because then you have votes, right? That's how it's like a, an old school, like social media campaign, but you're just doing it in front of people instead of on your phone or your computer, right? But yeah, knocking on doors, you have to get to know or knock on all of the doors in your community and and be supportive and helpful and say what is it you want to see change and um that that is really what it's about knocking on doors going to see people asking a lot of questions and listening doing a lot of listening yeah definitely i think that's some great advice especially like finding a mentor to help you uh get into the playing field and going and like interacting with people, I think making connections, that's important as well. Absolutely. Uh, and I hope the listeners uh, that are interested in politics here uh, took some notes. Uh, and now let's transition into a different topic, topic of culture. So we know that Brampton has a very diverse community. Uh, why do you think culture is important specifically in Brampton? You know, culture in Brampton is what has made Brampton so attractive. Um, you know, it, there is so something special in, in seeing a community come together, um, not because of um, it, frivolous reasons, it's the desire to get to know who is your neighbor. And, and if we can master that here in Brampton, we are the example for everywhere else in the world. We have over 217 cultures represented here in Brampton. That's a lot. We speak um, over 100 and something, 15 languages or something here in the city. That's a lot of people from around the world coming to one place, right? Where What we have to do in Brampton though is start being comfortable with getting to know each other more because sometimes what I've heard is people say we're in silos right and if we start saying we want to cross our our lines and we want to start getting to know and who's next door to us I always say if you don't know who the three houses in front of you and the two beside you that has to be your goal for this year is get to know the people in your circle because if you look at our economy we have so many different types of foods. You know, if you look in the food and, and beverage industry, we, we have many factories for different um, variations of foods that people used Brampton to invest in, to grow in. And we have to be able to realize that, you know, the more we celebrate our cultures, our economy is going to grow. You know, we've had um, a Bhangra dance festival here in Brampton. We've had Jambana, which is a large Caribbean um, it, or Caribbean music during Carabana weekend. We've had Chutney Fest, which is another huge celebration. We've had, you know, we have Carabram that celebrates so many different cultures and communities. We have to start doing that more. And that those things drive economy. Culture drives economy, arts and culture. If you don't have that, how are people going to celebrate after a hard day of work, right? You want to go and do something fun, right? So you need to have culture represented. People need to know and feel that they can do something that they're familiar with or they can try something new in the city that they live. Yeah, yeah I think you hit it right on the dot. Um, 
we talked about on our last podcast about like how a lot of people are in cultural bubbles mm-hmm. um, and we wanted to find ways of improving that. Um, but to go into the next question, um, what would you like to tell the audience about uh, being the first black woman city councilor, some of the experiences you've had, the challenges um, that you'd like to tell the audience? Oh, wow. <laughs> they need some attention. Um, yeah, and you know what, being the first black woman was, um, and having that title, um, I didn't even really realize it until really close to the actual election day when somebody said, I don't think there's ever been a black woman on council. And I was like, really? So we, we made some big people, we did some research and we're like, whoa, this is, this is true. Like, <laughs> I would be the first black woman that's history making. So yeah, that's really exciting. That's really cool. But then that other real- side of the reality kind of hits, right? It's 2018. <laughs> I'm the first one in 2018 in a city like Brampton, um, in a, a province like Ontario. Um, it just really hits home how far behind we actually are and how much further we need to go. Um, but it, it is a blessing. It is a blessing because then now I know that I'm being an example um, for so many other young Black women and men who want to be politically involved. And for so many women of color who want to be politically involved and for so many people of color who want to be politically involved. And I say that all encompassing because there's not much of many of our voices there at the table. And I, I fully have adopted um, a saying that I heard Justice Tullock say, but I believe it's, it might've been somebody else that said it, but nothing about us without us. And anytime you, 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 do you guys know what that means? Nothing about us without us. Do not talk about us and make decisions about us without us being at the table. That's what has happened in politics in Canada for gen- decades. You know, they've, they were been making policies that impact so many people, but there's not always attention at looking at how it's going to impact people of color. So we, if you're going to make a policy about all of the people in Canada, if you're going to do that on a provincial level or on a municipal level, you need to have all of the people that you're making dis- choices for there giving their input. And, and not um, superficially, like saying, oh, we're going to ask people what they think. No, at the end of the day, it's those people who are at the table who are making the final yes or no. And if our voice isn't there, then we're neglected out of the whole equation, right? So it, it's been a reminder that, um, one second, <laughs> I'm just gonna put myself on. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to yell at my kids. but. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think we have to be very aware that it, it, we, ha- it, we have to be there at the table. And so, yeah, it's exciting being the first Black woman, but now I know I have a huge responsibility, it feels like. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have to make sure that I'm there, that I'm present, and that you know I'm listening and being the, the politician that I have wanted politicians to be. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we've seen a bit of improvement in terms of uh, Black people and minorities in politics, such as the leader of the Green Party, um, mm-hmm. you, for example. Um, but yeah, there's still um, room for improvement. Um, now, relate, relating back to another question relating to culture, um, as youth, like we want to get into politics, want to bring awareness to a lot of social issues, such as the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like the only way we're able to bring awareness is through social media, which is not the most impactful way. Um, so it, I know you mentioned this already, but is there um, some other ways we can improve some of the racial injustices we see in Brampton and throughout Canada? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? The biggest concern that people would say is that, you know, don't just protest now. Make sure you're protesting always and and don't let the the voices of all of those who spoke out right after you know George Floyd yes go ahead the chocolate and um, <laughs> um, just making sure that we keep that fight going because this is we've all lived um, if if you lived in Canada a long time um, like we've all been experienced racial injustice. We do know our systems are extremely racist and that they need to be changed. And we do know that calling it out, making changes is gonna be difficult work. And, but it's gonna need a lot of voices. And when I say uh, a lot of voices, I mean your voices. And it's also being aware of what um, decisions are being made um, at different levels of government. Um, and you, writing the letters, I, I, I think people think that their their opinions are not heard by politicians, but we do have letters of correspondence that go in our agendas, and we do have people that come to council and and ask questions and speak. It's called doing a delegation. So if you see something that you want to change, speak on it. One of the issues that we have at the corporation is our workforce isn't representative of our community. And so people have spoken on that. People have said, you guys need to do something. How come it's so difficult for me to get a job? Some people have said that to us as counselors and we've spoken about it. So use your voice. That's what I always say. And right now, there is still, um, there are changes that have happened at the Peel District School Board, good changes, but there's still, people would say there's still a distance to go. So being students in any school board, what do you want to see change? Write letters to your board of educa- um, education, to your trustees, get to know who they are. And I think that's where people, all of us need to um, keep in our line of sight you know, and you have to keep talking about it. You have to keep addressing the issue. If not, it will just go away. And and people, and that's what a lot of people wait for. Oh, don't worry. Eventually it's going to go quiet and it won't be the hot topic of discussion. So don't worry. We just let it play out long enough. No, no, you have to keep talking, right? You have to keep addressing it and uh, and sending letters, making phone calls, having different rallies every so often, keep bringing it up. 
Yeah, no, um, when you're talking about the schools and how our, uh, what our schools are doing to talk about it, I can like give an example from my school. So as a part of the Interact team, we actually held a, a Black Lives Matter um, panel where we had speakers talk about the history of Black Lives Matter and have like a teacher from our school, a, t um, uh, a speaker from outside. And I think that event just alone in our school really uh, like sparked discussion in our classroom. Like when I went to school the next day, we have, uh, we, our teacher talked about it which I think was a great start but at the yeah. same time like what you said we need to still start talking about it even though it's not as as a hot topic now I think even in the future like even in like decades in the next decades mm -hmm. we have to keep on talking about it in our history textbooks we have to talk about it so I think that's a very good point that's right and you you when you're 18 you know you're tick on that ballot box is also talking about it, right? And it's saying to parties, like, we want to see different candidates run in different election. Where's the representation, right? And and whatever political party or, you know, you want to, you agree with, go sign up and be a member, right? And then, and that's another avenue. You can make sure you are helping to decide who's going to be that next candidate in that next election happening in your city, right? And who's going to take your voice to the province? Hold your political leaders to the fire. They are supposed to be your voice, right? And if you see them doing something that you don't agree with, let them know, right? Yeah. It's really a great way to look at it. I think a lot of the times uh, we as youth get scared and it's really empowering to have someone in a position of power telling us that our voices do matter. Of course. Someone that we can see as like a role model, be like obviously being a girl and seeing someone who's a woman in a position of power, it's, it's a nice way to see, okay, maybe one day I can do this too. Mm -hmm. And like, even if we don't necessarily like uh, look at minority groups or anything, just being, you know, um, like culturally, but being like girls in this position. Um, have you ever faced any challenges because of that? Or have you found it difficult to be listened to um, in terms of just because of your gender? Yeah, like this is one of the reasons, like, you know, <laughs> I'm home <laughs> and uh, there's another parent in the house. <laughs> you could go ask dad, what's up? <laughs> right, so yeah, <laughs> this is one of the challenges I'm, Yes, what do you need, honey? Go have some water first. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a parent, I'm a mom. And, uh, you know, being a mom and a parent does have its, have its challenges. And you want to make sure that everybody there at the table does respect the, the, the parenting challenges that you have. Um, I, I, in the very early on in my political time at the council, I moved a motion to have... Um, one second, I got to put myself on mute for this one. Um, that was a bathroom emergency. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm so very early on and I moved a motion for the city to put in childcare, um, to encourage parents, grandparents who are watching kids to not have childcare as a barrier to become involved and engaged um, at council and delegate. And um, it would have cost an extra 35,000 a year for operating. There was a lot of pushback for that. 
I had many people say, oh, she just wants this because she has kids. And let me let be, I'll be very clear. I have childcare. And as a parent, I have to find childcare. It's not about me. It's just about me knowing what it's like to not have childcare. So um, no, I wasn't doing this for personal gain. I was doing it for all the other people who have that as a barrier to being engaged in the political process. Um, but yeah, so there was a lot of pushback, you know, um, being a, a woman and a black woman. Um, if I've talked about um, lack of opportunity and such, I get told I'm Called pulling the race card in council, um, you know, and so there are certain things that are said that I don't think would be said if I was a white male. And um, so, yeah, <laughs> there are some little challenges that we do, do face, but that's okay. Being a woman is, is a beautiful thing. And I think it's a part of the armor that I wear. I am a black, a black woman. I'm a strong black woman and people, I know what it's like to have shade thrown at me all the time. So yeah, I've learned I've learned how to deal with it. So bring it. <laughs> right? <laughs> the fact that you're getting pushed back because you are a parent, I think that makes you in a very unique situation, you know? You're in the unique position to be a parent and have that power. So even if you are saying it from the perspective of a parent, you are representing the good majority of people that in Brampton that are parents. That's that right struggle with the same thing so I think instead of pushback that could have been a very like um like you're saying maybe it was a person it was coming from that you received maybe. that yeah. um if you are a parent I feel like you're more entitled to speak about those sort of issues that you are facing and you also just did discuss those resort that aspect of resources and different um socioeconomic classes having right uh, different access to those um, and I know that you do have or at least have done a lot of work with mental health in the past mm -hmm. um, so how do you feel that we can bring equity to these resources and um, how do we like as like students how can we be allies to our fe uh, fellow students that do have some sort of um, um, mental health or mental illnesses um, and in a respectful way, because obviously we're not, we don't have the same training as you. And in our school systems, it's very much the bare minimum, unfortunately to say. So right. how would you recommend that we first um, align it so that there's less of a discrepancy as well as be that support system for our fellow classmates? Wow, that's a very good question. Um, I think when it, when it comes to you being a support in to your peers, you, you being there and being a listening ear to that peer and, and not trying to find the solution. I, I, one thing I would say in, in counseling and therapy is how, how do you help move the person from point A to point B? And how do you um, ask them the questions to help them figure it out almost? How do you help them get there? So, you know, you just being a friend and being supportive, I think is the one most important thing you can do to your peers but also you got to recognize we're not professionals if you're not a professional what do you need to do you got to bring the professional into the picture and that is really what you could be looking to do as as a group to bring mental health supports into the school and if you're saying we really want you there and advocating for that presence um, and then finding out who are the right people that can make this happen. Is it the guidance counselor? Is it the principal? I would say use the political process to help achieve this, which is get write a letter 
and get other students to sign the petition. And the more people you have behind you on the issue, the it's harder for people to say no, right? And, and then go to the guidance counselor, go to the principal and say, we know we need mental health supports in the school. We would like for them to have a presence in our school and, and not just a bulletin board. Maybe it's we do a workshop or a, a, a fair or something that brings these professionals here. And then reaching out to some of those groups, those organizations. Um, and that's kind of like what we've done with the Youth Support Task Force. If you go to the website, you can see all of the organizations that are there. We also have all of the volunteer organizations that are there. And we're saying, we want to make sure we have a platform for these people to be supportive of you. So I would say bring them in you know, and advocate to have them in. And you not realize, you realizing that you're the professionals with that friendship, but not the professional for their mental health issues and get the right people in there to be supportive. Right, for sure. And I know, I, you, like you said, that whole idea with like us not being professional. Um, how would you recommend, I know that you did say that. Um, so within our school, a lot of the time when we do go to the principals uh, or like the guidance counselors, we don't have, uh, we do get like that same like bare minimum response. And of course it's really easy to go with like a group of people, but it depends on what response we're looking for. And let's say um, for example, we get set like uh, with, um, in my school, what they'll do is they'll send out a mental health link. And a lot of the times the people that need those resources the most are the least likely to click on that link, right? And um, of course we can say stigma is going down, we're discussing it, but it's all about that tangible action. And, um, is there one like is there like a tangible action or some sort of call to action that you can think of um, specifically going forward something that we can take home today and sort of implement or I'm thinking maybe something that's like mandated in our schools that could potentially like that's like regulated that we do in classrooms almost weekly would that mm -hmm. sort of help you know at I I when it's funny because you're kind of describing um, some of the challenges that um, I guess any therapist has, you know, uh, you can, you can make that sometimes you can make the appointments, you can walk the family through the whole process, you can almost handhold, but until it's time for the person to make a change themselves, they might not be there yet. Um, and so you can't force the person who should be click making the click to the link to do it at that time, but you can help inch them there. And that's why, you know, having a presence and, and, and that's why a lot of times schools will take that approach. We'll, we'll provide them the information, um, but we can't force them to use it. But as long as we keep making sure that the information and that support is there, um, then you, you're, you're pretty much saying when they're ready to use it, they will, you know? So I, I think really for, and, and I always like to do these kind of exercises. It sounds like the, the goal that you're trying to achieve is to get people to click that link or to actually engage in that support. But if they're not there yet, what are some steps that you can take to help get them there? Right, because if we do see that link, like 
I know when I saw that link by guidance, I'm like, oh, is this somebody else's problem now? Like if you're directing me somewhere else, like, of course, like their whole motivation is not cynical. They want to help us. But when you're in that like state of mind or like you're in a place where you want to have like a person to talk to, I like you were saying that. I think the idea of that professional is really good because as students, we think that link is you sort of like, or like as like an administrator putting our um, mental health onto another person so they don't have to deal with it. And it can come across that way just because that that's like a place of isolation and that's sort of what it brings. Well, you know, outside of making it a, a mandatory course, you know what I mean? Or sometimes if you know, for example, I'm just throwing this out there. If you know there's some people in a class that is, are really struggling, you can have a side conversation with that teacher and say, I'm wondering if you can bring somebody into the class for the first few minutes just to kind of talk about an itch issue and welcome any questions. And, and it doesn't have to be like, right when we're talking about it, I want you to ask questions. And if you don't ask questions now where everybody can hear, that door's closed. It's saying, if you have further, wanna have further discussions, this is how you can reach this professional, right? Okay. So that, that is something you can do. I don't know if the guidance counselors run workshops to the schools and, and if that's something you think they should have, the trustees, right? You're gonna lobby your trustees to say, look, can you get, can you have find in the budget or some way to have a, a 10 or 15 minute check-in for every person doing online schooling? you know, um, where a person pops into the class and says, hey, I am a counselor at this organization in Brampton. And if you're looking to get some supports on A, B, C, and D, this is who you can call, or this is how I can help, or how are you guys, you know, you might be feeling this right now, because this is what is common when you're on a lockdown and you haven't seen friends for so long. You know, how to norm, you know, just normalizing the situation a bit. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's being able to say how, this is what we want, how can you make that happen? And then see if you can get the trustees to find it in their budget to do that. Okay, definitely. I'm definitely taking your advice. I'm like already like in my mind crafting an email right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good idea I don't know maybe it's really great to talk to like a diverse set of people with different backgrounds and it's really been great like I think um originally like we we just had this idea of a podcast we never really knew we were going to go into a direct to mental health but I guess as the stars aligned and we got a chance to speak to one another so yeah. really really great friend um to hear your insights and what you were able to tell us is something that definitely we could have never gotten even remotely close with anyone else with your unique experiences <laughs> Really, really great to hear. Um, no topics problem. Such, yeah, such as mental health, politics, COVID-19, all of it. Um, I'm like having a paradigm shift. And I'm sure all of us are. And it was really great <laughs> to talk to you. And it was a real breath of fresh air. <laughs>